Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability. I'm your host, Shane Kelton, and this is the first episode back um, because we've had some technical errors uh, with a couple of recordings on Alicia and my IVF treatment and another podcast. So that will be coming in the near future, but uh, the first guest I've got back recording is um, someone I would classify now as a good friend, despite probably not speaking to you too often, and um, you probably bowling bounces at me 10 years ago in cricket, um, but it's, I've got Cameron Sharp with me. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, feeling okay. Feeling okay? Not nervous? A little bit. It's yeah. the first time of doing something like this, so yeah, a little bit nervous, but good. So a little bit about you for the listeners before we sort of get into it. And I will say again, the listeners probably know by now that I like to keep things uh, very flow rather than force. And I don't, I've deliberately not asked you many questions prior to going into yep. this. So um, this could go anywhere. <laughs> well, that's um, okay. <laughs> which is fine. Um, a very uh, organic conversation. Uh, but the first I knew of you back, and I don't know if you remember this, but we played a second 11 game against each other. I had a look, I found the stats in 2010-11. Well, that's kind of a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And was I was at home? Yeah, it was at St. Andrews. Yeah, so we played against each other. So I knew of you back then, and I knew you were up and coming, because you would have been 18, I reckon, because I'm a couple yeah, years older than you. 2010. Yeah, probably 18, 19. Yeah, you had a bit of a nip about you, a little bit of lip as well. Angry. Yeah. <laughs> Still the same way. <laughs> Still the same way. Um, and then, and the reason I've uh, mentioned that is because it was it was when RDCA forums were around back then and for a couple of years after. And I yeah. remember three or four years later on the forum, someone posted about the car accident we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And uh, I remember... The first game you came back was a fourth or fifth 11 game. Yeah, I played in the, oh, it might have been the sixes maybe. Maybe the sixes. It was yeah. your first game back after the incident. Yeah. And I remember someone posted and I was, like, I wrote on it saying, oh, I can't believe it. You know, how awesome is that? Yeah. But I had no idea of you, didn't know your number, didn't know Facebook, all that. So it was just like this appreciation from afar, which you probably didn't know about. <laughs> no, I did, so did not know anything about that. <laughs> no. Didn't even know there was a forum. Yeah, well, there you go. So that was that was posted on there, and I don't know who it was posted by. It probably was Jacko or someone, to be honest. Or Matt, probably. Yeah, or Matt, yeah. So that um, the forum got shut down a couple of years later. <laughs> anyway, there's too much sledging. Well. Yeah, too much <laughs> sledging going yeah, on. probably from Jacko. No, there's a couple of others. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we're going to talk about that today and what that story's been like. And, you know, we have, you know, closer over the last couple of years. I, mean, I don't think we've played against, against each other again. No, um, so. St. Andrews lost a couple of grades and Moomba yeah, kind of fell on the inside yeah. and outside. So, um, but it's sort of tracked your journey and I've understood that you've had mental health challenges. So I reached out to you last year in regards to the yeah. mental health game we ran and um, said to all the boys leading into this one, who wants to put their hand up to share their story? And you yep. did it. Yeah. I wanted to do it last year, but I don't think I was in the right mind frame to do it last year. This year, I feel better in yep. that regard. So I was like, we'll give it a go. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It's really good that you, you say that because I've had a couple of people listen, reach out and want to go on the podcast to get the help. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, get help first or yeah. be in a position where you can rebound well from this podcast. Yeah. And I think you're in a much better position. Oh, 100%. I'm in a much better place yeah. than I was last year. It wasn't a good time last year. So we'll, we'll talk about that earlier. But for the listeners, um, and I, I did just mention this before we came on, on the podcast, is you never really had any anxiety or mental health issues growing up, did you? you were, no. I guess like every other kid. Never yeah. known of it. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Then we get the sick stomach get the handshakes and you just think you're missing something. Yeah. Something something in your body is missing. That's what I felt every day. It's not the best feeling in the world, so... So, for you, how did that... What was the thing that started that? Well, I probably would have been... Not when I was in rehab, but probably when I first got home. It's just the anxiety, like depression, 
and everything got to me. Yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted it to stop. And that's when I was in rehab, I, I thought about how, how do I do it? How do I kill myself? How do I get out of this the easy way? Like what was the easy way for me? Yeah. And that for me was, I'll just, I'll just do it. Yeah. No one, no one will miss me. I'm in my own little bubble. I'm done. But then what probably saved me was Haley, parents, cricket club, all came and supported me. Always wrote a positive on my little whiteboard that I had in my room. Yeah. Always wrote three or four positives. So when as soon as I woke up, I knew there was something positive to see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably what probably saved me in a way. Otherwise, I would have been probably not here. Oh. I obviously love the friends, family and career club support, but I think that's a, that's a really good tip and tool for anyone listening is to write these positive things up the night yep. before when you actually feel okay yep. or you've got a lot more clarity when you wake up, you don't have clarity at all. No, so no, not, to see all. that yep. is extremely powerful. You talk about rehab. What was the incident which put you into rehab? So it was the 19th of June, 2014. I was actually coming home from work gonna meet a mate at the cricket nets. Then I was coming down French Gully Road where the there's like a doctor's surgery on the corner. I was just in the slip lane, skipped through, and this guy this guy, old guy came across three lanes hit the back of my car. Which I'm like, oh it's just a car accident, that's fine, nothing to worry about. But then he pushed me into the front of another car. I actually knew the person in that car, which made it really weird because I was like, I haven't seen him for years and we pulled off to the side and then started getting his details and the old guy came in at probably 20 k's an hour, hit the doctor's surgery, coolant, oil went everywhere. I went up to him, didn't speak English, didn't have a driver's license, couldn't understand me, so I called the cops. Yeah. So then they said, oh, we actually can't send someone out here because it's not blocking traffic. So I was like, okay, but he doesn't speak English and what do we do? Yeah. So I go, we'll send someone out there. So I'm like, oh, cool. Then he got back into his car. He drove back out on the stud road, hit another car, which broke the passenger's shoulder in that car. Then I obviously ran after him saying, get out of your car, get out of your car. Then he obviously put it back in a drive. I tried to get out of the way and he's hit me, run me over and dragged me two meters. But this thing is, I don't remember any of it. This, yeah, is, this, is what this, the cop, this is what the cops told me. Yeah. So I don't remember being hit by a car. The only thing I remember is waking up in rehab. How's that? It's just, it's, it's funny. It's just giving me like tingles that, um, the fact that you can't remember it. How does that feel for you not being able to remember something that, that has uh, dramatically changed your life? It's pretty hard because I'm missing piece and, bits and pieces for like three weeks. Like, I don't remember in rehab, I don't remember going to the Alfred Hospital with my dad. I've seen, apparently I saw this doctor three times. I said, I've only met you once. Yeah. I don't remember going to rehab. Well, the only thing I first remember with rehab is the beds were too small. I'm not a, a massive guy, but <laughs> yeah. my legs were hanging over. Yeah. We had a kid's bed or something. I said, get me a new bed or I'm sleeping on the floor. They go, you can't sleep on the floor. Your injuries are too bad. I said, watch me. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, then they got me a new bed. But yeah, missing bits and pieces of of what happened to me is hard. Sometimes I think it's just going to come back and it's all going to be coming, be like floodworks. Do you think it's a a protective mechanism your mind sort of set in to go, we're not ready to sort of re... I think the brain works in that way. It's sort of like the brain, they don't want you to remember it. Yeah. Because it's too traumatic. They, don't, yeah. they want to just cut it out and that's it. Yeah. Which I'm sort of happy about because I don't really want to relive myself getting hit by a car. Yeah. That's yeah. not one thing that I go put my hand up and go, yeah, I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah. But my dad wanted to watch it when it happened too. Yeah. But the cops said, are you sure you want to see your son get hit by a car? So there's footage of it. Yep. Okay. The CCTV was at the doctor's surgery. Yeah. So it's all but, so the cops have seen it obviously because they had to. Yeah. So it's all been recorded yeah and I guess that probably made the pro- and probably made the process a lot easier for the work cover at yeah. TAC and all of that there's there's no 
there's no arguments yeah, there. He, it's all, he, it's all he's in, done it. Yeah. yeah, it's all on footage, so you yeah. can't you get can't your way out it. of yeah. it. Um, it's, I mean, through we'll, we'll go into it more about how you feel and how you went along the way, but how was that for your family and that? Do you re- recall what they were like in the hospital with you? And um, Well, I do remember when they got told they came to the... Well, this is what they told me. They came to the Alfred... I had abrasions all over my hands, face, and I had a, so where you go to the toilet, probably two centimetres up from that, I had a seven by 12 centimetre hole. Yep. So my parents got told, or the doctors thought I was raped. So they didn't actually know how that injury got there. They didn't know how it happened. Wow. So, but apparently when your skin gets dragged, it rubs. Yep. Then the only thing it can do is open. Yeah, yeah. So that's what obviously happened. But they, it looked like I've been bashed and raped. Yeah. Wow. To to kind of even just hearing that, imagine I'm just imagining your parents. Yeah, they weren't getting told that. Yeah, my dad wasn't great with it. He still probably struggles to this day. Probably even probably more than me. Yeah. Every single time it's like an anniversary, like it's a six-year anniversary, he doesn't want to talk about it or anything. Yeah. Which is hard for me too, though, because sometimes I just need to talk about it, mm. but he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. So it's, it's finding that, you know, you've got to respect his wishes. Yeah. Because if you didn't want to talk about it, he would have to respect yeah, your wishes. Correct. So it's a so really I, hard... I leave it. I just don't... If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Yeah. And I mean, it it shows how much parents care. And oh yeah, has, even though the trauma is not happening to them, there's still trauma. It's 100% still a is. trauma. So it's I, that, that is you know powerful in itself. And I guess that for the listeners, that's really a good thing to understand that you know the things you didn't do anything stupid. So I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. you did, but people that do stupid things out there, it, it leaves a really big ripple effect of of pain. Yeah. Um, and it's not your responsibility to help your dad. It, no. He's got to, you know... He's got to come to it his own way. Yeah. I can't be there to do it because... And he probably does. We probably... He, it's funny how parents, they do their own things but don't want to bring their kids into it because they yeah. don't want to add more to you. Yeah. Um, so he may do some stuff that you don't know about. Well, maybe. But Well, I know he still... Oh, I don't know if he still does now, but he, a while ago he still had photos of the accident. Yeah. And he'd look at them and just cry over them. Yeah. So that was... But I told him, delete them. Yeah. You don't need to keep seeing your son with tubes down his neck. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. That's... Just don't put it, yeah. put it aside. Um, what, uh, apart from the abrasions, what were the other injuries? Uh, so I had a I had nerve damage to the left side of my body. So I had a brain injury. Yeah. So I had to learn to walk, run, do everything again. I had... Three broken ribs, uh, fractured eye socket, fractured nose, lost a tooth. Um, I think that's about it. That sounds pretty horrific. But the worst one was obviously the brain injury. Yeah. And obviously the, the wound. That was probably the worst thing. How, how long did you spend in hospital in the first stint? In the Alfred? Yeah. I think I was in an induced coma for... Three to four days. Yeah. And I got transferred to the Victorian Rehab in Mount Waverley. Yeah. And I was there from I was there for about two months, three months. So that was that was that was where you first started to understand what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really understand it until I got the rehab. I was like, Where where am I? Yeah. Probably you probably were your mind was probably expecting to be go home. Yeah. Home safe. It was, it was really, it was surreal. It was really like, what is going on here? Yeah. Who, through, through that, so did you meet Hayley before all this happened? Yep. I was with Hayley for, well, when I was in rehab, we had a four-year anniversary. Yeah. So, so now we're going on 10, 10 years. years. 10 years and strong. She just cooked a really good roast. Too, yeah, it was so good, good food. We'll throw them a good But it was there. sort of... We weren't going too strong at this point. So the accident sort of helped yeah. in a way. It 
made us stronger. And like, I don't know this, but a lot of people after incidents like that can see an easy way out. She didn't. Well, that's what I, I thought she would have. Just going on like, you know what, it, it's hard. Mm. Your boyfriend just been hit by a car. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm yeah. out. Yeah. Very... I'm, I'm done. You know what? Sorry, but I can't deal with that. Yeah. What's it like knowing that she's still here? Oh, it's awesome. She's my rock. She's, she's supported me the whole way through, so she'll do anything for me, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, considering when it happened, she was 20 years old. Yeah. And it's a lot to take on mm. for someone else as well. Through through the rehab, what were what were family and friends and the crew guys? You know, how often were they visiting? And you know, uh, well, I had obviously Haley every day. Yeah, had a couple of her friends come see me on like a Friday for like a they'll, they'll sneak in dinner because you weren't meant to yeah. sneak in dinner. So they <laughs> snuck in fish and chips, McDonald's, or whatever it was, which is good. Yeah, parents mostly every day, brothers almost every day. Had a, um, you know, the Morehouses. Yep. Anthony Bear, he came in almost every day. Me and him came really, really, really close yep. due to that accident, which is really good. Really good for me because I had another person to rely on. Yeah, yeah. So, which is good. And Cougar Boys came in every now and then. One will come in every now and then, which is good. It's just yeah. to keep that support. And even my bosses from work and that came in too, which was good. How, uh, how important... <clears throat> Because these these things, like I've spent time in hospital for mental health, not for rehab like yours, but those small visits, how important are they for your rehab? Oh, it's, it's something to look forward to. Yeah. Because when I was in rehab, all I was doing was staring at a blank wall. And when it's, as you would know, it's not the best thing to do. <laughs> when you're trying to recover and all you want to do is get out and you just stare at a wall. Like I couldn't even get up to go to the toilet. Like it was, I just couldn't move. So now we'll move on to the mindset and we'll probably touch on the support as we, as we go. What was the mindset like? How, I guess, your mind started to understand what was going on, but yet your body wasn't functioning uh, in my, a way you My could. mind took a while to mend as well though, but my body just wasn't, even to this day, my body's not right. Yeah. It never will be. Yeah. Like, I'm 28, but I feel 50. Yeah. Like that, that's just that's just how it is. So, when you say, is that pain or is that slowness pain. or... So, it's pain. pain. So, I've got basically now... So oh, sorry. I did. I broke my coccyx as well. Yeah. So, I've now I've got back pain. Constant back pain every day. But it doesn't help with my job either, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, being a mechanic and having a car accident, it's... Not the greatest thing in the world because my back's already stuffed from work. So, through through rehab, how long did it did it take you to start walking and and running again? And not only that, what was your motivation? Because it's funny how kids kids don't they just start walking when they feel like walking. Yeah. There's no fear around it. Whereas you've just gone through a horrific accident, you need a goal. You, you have this mind that understands life a lot more than a kid. Yeah. What was the goals for you and how long did it take? Well, my goal was sort of to get back to life the way I, way I left it. Like playing cricket, driving a car. Like I already had that. I was going to play cricket again. Yeah. When I, got, when I got told by doctors I was never playing cricket again, I was like, well, I'll prove that wrong. Yeah. And I did. So what took me... Took me probably a good month or so to get back walking. Well, apparently this is what the doctors there told me. Like every night, I'd literally be out of bed sleepwalking, bumping into walls and walking in the halls. Just didn't ever know where I was. It's, <coughs> so that's probably where the injury to my brain was. It's I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And I was asleep. Yeah. And I I couldn't walk. They know I couldn't walk. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, I, and this... Like the funny the timing of this, like I've had a couple of concussions like lately, and they talk about how the head knocks just open random neurological um, pathways. Yep, and it's so it sounds like that's what's happened when yeah. you're asleep. These this everything's just opening up randomly, and just 
you're, you've got no control. No, I had no control. And they kept coming to me the next day. He goes, oh, do you have a good walk class? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was in bed. I said, no, you weren't. You were walking down the halls. I said, bumping and everything. So I couldn't walk. But but during the day, you weren't no. walking. So it's... That's no, amazing. I was only walking when I was going to do the rehab. Yeah, yeah. The trainers and that, but I'll just be sitting in bed and lying there. Yeah, we touched on before we jumped on. Not a lot of people know about this, but I guess the people close to you. Mm-hmm. Why? Why now do you want to share your story? And you know, what's what do you want to get out of the next you know twenty thirty minutes as we talk? I think. This? The reason why I want to speak now is because I'm I know I'm mentally there to sort of talk about it. Like in previous years, like last year, I wanted to do it, but I knew if I did, it was an end it was an end worse than what it could have. Yeah, I was going to go down a deeper hole. So now I feel like I've got the support there, I've got everyone in my corner. So if something does happen, I can bounce back quicker than I would have. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why I want to share my story now I know it's six years on but I'm still dealing with a lot of things yeah some days are good days some days are bad days and that's just the way it is some days are hungover days like today some days are hungover <laughs> days some the hungover days are the good days because <laughs> the only thing the only thing I think about is how hungover I am which is good, so I don't think about anything else. So that's the good thing. And that's, it's kind of a little bit off topic, but it isn't. But it also, it probably will help a lot of people understand that why a lot of people go into drinking. Yep. Because you, you start to forget about it's all that other stuff. It, but not to say go do that. Yeah, but yeah. It's another one of those easy way outs. Yeah. The same as doing drugs, drinking, everything like that, gambling. It's an easy way out. So I'll go do that because it's easy. Mm. Well, don't do the easy way. Go the hard path. Nothing in life is easy. It's not meant to be easy. No. It's It really isn't. The easier life you take, the harder it becomes. Yeah. Well, I was sort of in, obviously, my rehab too with my brain injury. I got told I couldn't drink for a year. I thought that was going to kill me. Yeah. Not drinking for a year is, but I did it easy. Yeah. Which probably helped me. Yeah, oh, I'm assuming pretty safely it would have helped you. Yeah. Um, so you, you briefly touched on earlier about how your mind was operating, you know, there was thoughts of suicide. Yep. Um, what was that like for you? Because you, you'd grown up not having any of these mental health no. complications. All of a sudden you're hit with all these thoughts about suicide and yep. um, no one wants you around and... All of the things that go with that, which I know if someone listening is going through it, will know them all. They'll be able yep. to the hundred things that go on through the mind. <coughs> Pardon me, which are all completely irrational, mm. by the way. How how did you break through those and what did that period of time look like for you? Uh, very, very dark. I would snap at anything. I, I felt like no one wanted me there. So always just, I was just going, you know what? I'm going to take the easy way. But looking back on it now, I'm glad I didn't because it, it is the easy way. Because, but then you know, it doesn't just affect you. If I did do it, but then I've got my family and everything. Then I felt, well, he's just gone. <coughs> so it was very, very, very dark. But... How I got on and moved on from that was, as I touched on before, it's the support, it's the positive mindset that not, I didn't have the positive mindset, but Haley did, my mum did, my dad did, and they kept showing me the, basically, it's going to sound weird, but show me the light in a way. Yeah. Show me down the right path you need to do this. If you want to get back to where you were, you have to do this, 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 and this. So that's what probably helped me get past that. So it's just, I think that the best thing about anyone going through this is if you have good support, you can get through anything. Yeah. It, but it's a great point, but you've also got to accept the support. Yeah, correct. And it sounds like, yes, you were snapping at them. But it's hard. at the start, I wasn't though, because 
anyone who's been dealing with this is very hard to get out of your own bubble. Mm. Very hard to reach out to someone and go, I'm not okay. I need help. Yeah. At the start, I couldn't do that until her mum said, you need to go see someone. Yeah. I said, no, I don't. I said, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Like I was very short, very direct. I said, I don't need help. Yeah. What was, what was the moment when you realized you did need help though? Uh, I was very angry. Snappy, obviously. I wasn't violent, but I was just very angry in my tone. And I knew that it, could, it was hurting Haley and I was hurting my mum the way I was treating them. Yeah. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, well, I need to, I need to change. Yeah. So if I don't change, I'm, I'm going to have no one. Yeah. So it's, it's when it's, it's funny, but it's the way we live as societies, we, we wait until fear, the complete fear of losing mm. everyone around us. And then we go, oh shit, we need to change I need ourselves. To change something. <laughs> Unfortunately for some, and why it's not a great thing, because unfortunately it's too late for a lot of people to mm. get help. Yep. So I guess the, the advice of anyone listening right now is if you have an inkling, just reach out now. Like don't hesitate because it could prevent the things going At the same token with that though, it's just once you crack the bubble, mm. you're good, but it's just you don't want to inconvenience anyone else. You don't want to put anyone else's shit onto you. That's what I didn't want to do. Mm. I didn't want to put some my crap onto someone else's. Yeah. What they don't deserve that. But in the same token is they're just there to listen. Yeah. Like they're not there to, to fix you. They can't. Yeah. They can't fix you. Yeah. They're there to just go, Okay, you need to talk to a doctor, talk to whatever to get the right help. So when they when they basically when you accepted help, what was the first steps for you? I mean, how difficult was that? Because it's not when you're quite stubborn and you're quite, I'm proud, you're yep. strong, you don't want that help. But when you do, it's still very, very scary. I booked an appointment with a doctor and it wasn't the easiest thing to say that I need help. I'm dealing with mental health issues, depression, suicide, I need talk to someone mm-hmm. it's very hard to go tell a stranger that you've never seen or whatever and say I need to talk to someone about this how important was it though oh very important <laughs> it was one of the one of the best things I've done how how long after the accident was that when you oh. when you reached out good six months after yeah so you're back at home walking and running yep. yep not playing cricket yet no um I, I think it was a good six months I can't be sure but it was, it was around a decent, that period it was a decent of time. period of time before I went and saw someone yeah I love and I, I probably I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here but it's more for the audience here but I love the fact that your family were pushing you into these things and it's not because they wanted you to to get to a point is because they actually knew the strength was within you. Mm. you you already had that you'd, you'd previously to this accident shown them yeah you're a strong individual you'll get through this rehab yeah all right now you're struggling with this you'll get through this but you just need help right now it's mm-hmm. like and uh, i don't know the quote but no one gets through life unscathed and we all need help at some point in our life yeah. and for some people it's with their mental health for some people it's physical health for some people it's their job career or, mm-hmm some people it's a car tire um whatever. we all need help at some point and uh, we don't get that without asking yep no one just turn, no one turns up at your doorstep and goes yeah. oh i heard you need help yeah it's not not like a light bulb moment oh he needs help yeah so uh once you you've gotten to the doctor and you started speaking to him what was the process like after that and how did your mind start to shift or or was it still a fair while off shifting? So I started seeing the psychologist the first time. I saw her for a good, I think it was 10, 11 weeks. Like once a week, I think it was, for about 10, 11 weeks. Yeah. So the first two sessions, didn't say a word. Just didn't, didn't talk. Yeah. She tried to get me to talk, but I was back in my bubble. Yeah. 
don't want to talk to anyone. I'm, I, I think I said to her, I said, I'm only here because my, my parents and my girlfriend want me to be here. Yeah. She goes, you know, that's fine. It's good you're here. Yeah. But I said, I, I can't get out of my bubble. So I, I didn't trust it. There's no rapport. No, so I, I didn't want to just go, let everything out. Then, yeah. And there's a natural fear around that and a lot of people go to psychologists and have the exact same thing and they're shut down. And it's a natural instinct, our body's instinct to protect us. Yeah, is to not talk about it and just to go and be quiet. Yeah, because they may judge me. Yeah. They may think I'm a bad person. That's probably the biggest thing it was for me. Yeah. Is that person's going to judge me for what I'm about to say. I don't want to be judged. Yeah. You don't want to be seen as weak. No. And, and, and to, the, to that point, you've just, you've gone from a car accident to walking and running. You, you know, technically you could walk around saying I'm really strong, but mm. physically, yeah. And, and mentally, yes, because you got yourself to that point, but your mind was still... Yeah, still running around somewhere. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I've, I'm, I'm really strong. So you're kind of fighting this, I can do this. I don't need help, but I really do need help. Yeah. But I'm scared. Well, I thought I was invincible. You're probably right to think that after <laughs> what you went through, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but even after it, I'm like, you know what, you know, I'm invincible. Mm. And I'm not. I'm really not. Like, really not. <laughs> I'm fragile. My body's stuffed, so I'm not invincible. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because we actually think our parents are invincible, but we also hold that within ourselves. Yeah. We think we're never, we're indestructible and yeah. nothing will ever happen to no, us. Nothing bad will happen to me. I'm all, you know, yeah. I'm good. But it will. Yeah. And it's, it's to varying degrees. And I'm a big believer that you're never thrown anything you can't handle. Yep. You, uh, you dealt the cards that you can deal with. Yeah. 100%. And a lot of life nowadays is, is looking for perfection which isn't really there and at some stage perfection will, will find mm-hmm. will find you and kick you up the ass yeah. and say we're not real perfection's no. not real so you've been given a shit hand a real shit hand but you've you've been able to maneuver some cards around to, yeah to deal with it the you know post seeing this psychologist once you start opening up how are you feeling after that uh, for the first two weeks, I didn't talk. Like I don't. I was in my own bubble. It's very hard to get out of your own bubble when you're in that that because you feel like you're going to be judged. And I didn't know this person at all. I just got referred to them. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know them. I'm not going to go and spit up my whole world to them because I don't know them. But then it got to probably the fifth or sixth week when I started. Well, actually, sorry, probably. Probably by the third time, I started giving her little bits and little bits and little bits. Testing. Just a test, test of waters as such, just to see if I could trust her and see if she was the right fit and to see if she could help me. Well, not help me, but give me some sort of tools to try and help with it. Yeah. Then by, by the end of it, I was telling her everything. And what was that like for you being able to open up? It was good. It was a weight lifted off my shoulders. I wasn't weighed down anymore. I was just, you know what? I need help. And this is the right way to go about it. Yeah. What was the family like through that experience? So I'm probably going to ask questions I didn't ask before either. You're probably not, no. (laughs) Uh, What was the family like through that process? Because they'd seen you at the start where you are suicidal and depressed. You know, coming to that 11th week. What were the changes they were seeing in you and how did that make them, you know, feel more at ease or... I was happier. Like, I, I, was, I was still snappy, but I was less to them. Yeah. To other people, I still probably was. But in a way, that's sort of how I am anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm very direct to most people. I'm straight down the line. They wouldn't even... Sometimes they wouldn't even say it's snappy. That's just no. honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm straight down the barrel. I'll tell you... Even if you don't like my opinion, I'll give it. Yeah. If you ask for it, I'll, I'll be telling you straight out, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, oh, why? You wanted my opinion. Yeah. 
So they were, they were good. They were seeing a lot of changes. Like I'm happy, I'm more happier. So by by that by the end of it, they were like, this is how you were before the accident. I guess that's very rewarding for them as well. And we we spoke about this before we got cut off before. Um, I'll stop trying to bring up that. But we, they, they, I guess they wanted you to do this because they knew the strength you had. You'd, you'd been bloody resilient through your physical rehab. Mm-hmm. You, they'd seen the strength in you prior to the accident. They didn't tell you get this to go into, you know, just to set you up to fail. They knew you had the strength to actually overcome yeah, yeah. your mental struggles. Which is good to see that they knew I could do it. Because if they knew I couldn't do it, how could I say I could do it? Yeah. I need, you need that support to say, okay, you can do this. Once you have that, you go, oh, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Maybe I can get through this. And obviously, I've got to the other side, but still dealing with stuff. But if you know you can do something, you can do it. Yeah. Your mind's a very, very, very powerful thing. It's uh, the old quote is, if you say you can, you can. If you say you can't, you can't. Yep. You just... You talk yourself into saying you can't do it. Yeah. So with anything, anything in life. You yeah. say you can't do it, you won't be able to do it. It's funny when um, someone will say, you know, being a PT, they're like, I can't do this. Of course you can't now. You said you can't. You said, you said it. It's funny, like I used to... Um, have clients doing deadlifts and they couldn't com- compute the weights on the bar yeah. and it'd be, it'd be mums and stuff and that you know they, they didn't need to worry about that so i'd chuck the weights on and i'd tell them it's 40 kilos but it'd be 60 because mm. they tell me they can't do it but if i tricked them they got it up every time yeah exactly it was, right. like, it was how powerful your mind really is it's like, your mindset to anything though yeah to anything and what was it like when you sort of come to terms with the fact that you you could have the mindset to get through it, but you, you'd been debilitated for a period of time? Uh, it was it was still hard. Like it took me a while to still go, okay, I can I can do this. But sometimes you still need that reassurance from someone mm. else to say it's okay you will get through this or you can get through this. Yeah. It's not always just on yourself. If you've got that support behind you, they can help with saying you can do it. Your family and um, partner have played a massive part in it, but how important was it for you to have the separate help along the way? It did help because then it's you've, you're broadening your branches as well though you're not just relying on your family and your friends to, to help you through this like i had workmates i had the cricket club i had a lot of people who i could turn to if i needed to and i knew they would be there to help me yeah so that's probably what helped me through it as well though i had support every way everywhere i looked obviously at the start i didn't see that yeah which a lot of people don't because they're too afraid to open up. Ask. And we spoke about our fear of being judged. And in reality, have you been judged? And, and yes, there may be a couple of instances, but on an overall spectrum of how many people know about this or how many people are you surround yourself? Uh, probably barely any of judged. Yeah. Because everyone knows that it's not their place to judge. Yeah. And they just go, okay, well, he's dealt, he's got a shit hand. And they, get, they always go, oh, you know, I don't know how you got through it. That's their, their, their one question. How did you get through it? How it's one you... of those questions is, I don't know how to answer because <laughs> it's, it just came together. Because you've got support and support's the biggest thing to get through anything. Yeah. If you've got the support behind you, you'll get through most things. And that was no different for me. I had my family, friends, crew club, I had that all support, but that's how I got through it. But And having a positive mindset got me through it. 
what were the ups and downs like over the next four or five years for you? Um, you saw the counsellor for those 11 mm-hmm. sessions. Um, what, what sort of does it, do it look like after that with your mental health issues? Um, I guess the ebb and the flow of them and then the fact that you may have got more support or other support through that. I went through stages where I'd be two, three weeks, just no good at all. Coming home, barely talking to Harley. Yeah. And she thought it was her. Then we actually, well, this is actually probably about a year ago maybe, we sat down and spoke about it a little bit. Didn't go too in-depth. So I wanted to know from her perspective how it made her feel. Yeah. Because I didn't actually, I I wasn't awake basically. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's it was interesting to see how it made her feel. Because obviously the way it made me feel was completely different to the way she yeah. felt it. So it was very interesting to see how she actually... Honestly, that's probably one of the most powerful parts of this podcast is the fact that you actually turned around and asked her how she felt. Because mm. my psychologist said it will be good for you to ask her her side. Yeah. it's She goes, it's not always about you. Like it is, but it isn't because mm. you're one. Well, now we're one. Like it's... Yeah. You, you have needs... As Cameron, she has needs as Haley, but the relationship has needs as well. Correct, and that it's probably one of the things that we still probably need to work on a little bit now is be more open about, especially that. Well, if she's listening, make sure. Yeah, <laughs> she reminds you about I'll that. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it is good to talk about, but not every day. Yeah, yeah. Every now and then, bring it up and whatnot. So I get reminded about it every day because my back issues, how many tablets I want to take every day. It's, yeah. it's shit. Like, it really is. It's shit. I've, got, I've been dealt a shit hand and I'm still dealing with it six years later on. And it's it's the hard path. And I... It's... We, the hard path, which, you know, is going to create that easier path as you keep mm-hmm. going. You're going to be able to manage it better, you, you know. If you're not doing all these hard things, you don't get to play sport. No. You don't get to go to work. You know, Hayley may stick around, but the relationship might be yeah, pretty shitty. It'll be, be gone. Yeah, so you're doing all these hard steps to create a lifestyle where it's sustainable for you. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be some shit things that pop yeah. up. You know, the things you speak about, you know, playing sport and then probably having a sore back for the whole week, but knowing that sport helps you mentally yeah. as well. Like it's, it's finding it's, that balance yeah. um, because none of us get through on skates. No. And I don't think we want to. I think you need to have some sort of, not a bad, bad thing happen, but you need something to sort of keep you on your toes as well. You don't want to just go through life going, oh, what's so bad about that? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a nat- we, we are human beings with natural instincts. And if those instincts aren't tested from time to time, we'll get complacent. Yep. And I always, I talk about this with people, but people are like, oh, I don't have anxiety. I'm like, go walk out in the middle of the highway then. See, see what happens. But you'll have anxiety then. Like, oh, that's, t- well, that's, we still have anxiety. We all have it. Yeah. A it's lot the of- varying degree of it. And your accident caused you to have Extreme anxiety. Yeah, it's, yeah. Days where it's off the bloody charts and I don't, I'm not so fidgety and it was like, you're right. Yeah, 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 I'm fine. No, yeah. But I'm not. Your body's in fight, fight mode. Basically. Yeah, my body doesn't know where it, where it, do we want to go right, left, straight. Yeah. What's that? So we talk about that off air. What, what's that like day to day for you? And we, we spoke about how you check doors and stuff at work. Yeah, I, since my accident, I go through not a checking list, but like I'd be lying in bed, I won't go to sleep. And Hayes, like, what's wrong? I said, I don't know if I lock my car, I don't know if my window's up, I don't know if the front door's locked. Mm. She goes, Go check it. I said, But I shouldn't have to. But yeah. If I don't check it, I won't sleep. You won't sleep, yeah. So it's a needing to, but I know, like, deep down, I know it. 
it's locked. I yeah. know it's this, I know it's that, but it's one of those feelings where you just go, I need to check it again. Yeah. You need to feel safe. It's horrible. It's one of the worst things ever to go to sleep or try to go to sleep and going, have I locked the door? Have I done this? Like even with the dogs, I go to cricket. I always think, have I left Panadol on the kitchen table? Yeah. Have I left anything out so the dogs can get? It's always running through the back of my mind. That's just my anxiety going, so it, I need to fix it, but I yeah. can't fix it. I yeah. need to be in control, but I can't always be in control. And it's amazing how you, you can relate that back to the accident is you were trying to, you know, help a situation. Yep. But it didn't pan out the it way. backfired. Yeah. Really badly. Yeah. So now your mind, your brain, your body is like, we need everything to be, the ducks to be in order. I need to control everything. Yeah. And probably the hardest thing as well from my accident is being a passenger in a car. Now I'm a horrible passenger. Yeah. You need you, control. You, I need to, I've told Haley many times, I said, pull over. She goes, why? I need to drive. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's got nothing against you. It's you. I need to be in control. Yeah. And a lot of people always told me, I was goes, I can't believe you're back in a car driving. I said, I have to. Yeah. It's my job to drive cars. They go, yeah, but I wouldn't. Well, you don't know what you'd do. Yeah, you don't. You're not in my situation. <laughs> yeah. I said, I need to drive a car. They go, oh, yeah, but I, I, I couldn't do that. Well, you could if you had to. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'd do because I don't it's, know the situation. One of those things that I just got back in the car straight away and started driving. Or once I was cleared to drive, yeah, I drove because it's part and, of life. Well, and it's amazing because other people wouldn't have ever driven again. No. But they wouldn't have maybe the anxiety issues with the dogs and the living yeah, things. probably so, not. So it's amazing how we all differ. And that's why it's very important we don't judge because each incident in our life will shape us differently. Mm-hmm. I can... The incident you had might someone else might not get to play cricket again because they don't have the strength or the willpower to get there like you did. So we we have to just be under as, as understanding as we can be. Not say I understand because you don't. No. <laughs> but try within to understand the situation, um, and not say I would do this or I wouldn't do this because you don't know. No, because you're not in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? We've spoken about that that period mentally for you and the challenges that you had. What was it like playing the first game of cricket back? Oh, one of the best things ever. From being told I was never going to play cricket again to go out and actually play. Yes, I was probably at 60%. I couldn't bowl quick. I could barely bend over and pick up the ball because I was that stiff and that sore and I... When it's really cold, I don't bend too well at the moment because it's very stiff still. Yeah. So this is the best thing, and it 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 was like another weight was lifted off my shoulders again, though, because I'm back out there with my mates playing playing cricket, which I love to play cricket. So it was good. I enjoyed it immensely. And you end up uh, having a pretty good day. Yeah, I got dropped on twelve. Which I was like, I, I didn't even care. Like, if I went out, I went out. It was one of those things. I just want to be back playing cricket. Yeah. So I got dropped on twelve, then ended up making a hundred, which was good. Which I, I didn't think I was going to make a hundred. I was just in my comeback, man. Then they wanted me to retire at um, hundred and fifty. The guy on the boundary, the captain of the boundary, goes, "Mate, you got enough runs, just retire." I said, "No, I'll keep batting, mate." <laughs> get me out <laughs> so then I got dropped again on like 170 got mid off long mid off got dropped again then finally got bowled on like 191 so I'm like well you got me out now <laughs> and that they barely even made 150 so it's 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 really awesome to hear the competitiveness was still within you like oh yeah I'd, like, I'm like the captain's not going to tell me to go off <laughs> my captain's not so you're not going to tell me to go off like um yeah, I, I love it. And I think it's amazing, you know, that you had a goal and that you achieved it because that's, in reality, goals are out of that such horrible, horrible 
traumatic event, if you didn't have a goal, you probably don't take the steps to get there. Yeah, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't set out goals or even have a positive mindset. If I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. We caught up uh, last year, probably probably almost 11, 12 months ago, because it was, I think, yeah. Um, and you're really struggling at the time mentally um, with a few things, but one of them was traveling to cricket yeah. and playing the cricket. You didn't want to play cricket, but you also um, were just struggling in life. So, you know, why did you keep playing cricket and why did you keep traveling to play cricket? As... It's the thing I needed to do because I knew if I didn't, I'd be digging another hole and I'll just go sit in it and do nothing. Yeah. So I, I knew I had to play, but I knew traveling and the only thing you could think about is whatever's in your head. At that time, it wasn't great. Yeah. But I knew if I stopped, I'd be even worse. So I just sucked it up and just played, which I didn't really want to. But I knew I had to. And it's, it's or I think we've got a title for the podcast, it's taking the hard path because you've, again, taken a path which was hard. Yeah. It's extremely difficult to get out of bed and to go 45 minutes to an hour to play cricket knowing you didn't want to play. Knowing, let's, probably not you didn't want to play. There's a feeling within you that just wanted to... There's no s- enjoyment. You wanted to sit in your own comfort, yep. which was to do fuck all. Yeah, do basically. nothing, literally nothing. So where I say comfort, you're a comfort slob. You won't yep. actually step outside your comfort zone. How was it, you know, week to week playing, um, knowing that it was extremely difficult to actually do it? And it was no good because we were winning. But I just didn't care. I wouldn't sing the song after the game. I'd go sit in a corner by myself and that's what I'll do. And I think Jacko came up to me round two. He goes, you okay? I said, no, I don't really care, mate. It is what it is. We won. Cool. Whatever. Then we played a 2020, I think it was. And it was the same thing. Opened the batting. Went out for less than 10. And I walked off and I was, I was smiling. Mm-hmm. I was happy. I'm like, I'm glad I'm out. I didn't even want to play. I was glad I was out. And everyone's like, oh, oh, you can't say that. Well, I did. So I I actually did not care Mm. one bit about playing cricket that day. And I I guess I I knew how difficult it was for you at that period of time. And I did check in with you probably every two to three weeks just to see how you were traveling. But I also knew that I couldn't, I didn't want to tell you to stop playing cricket because I knew that if you did, you probably wouldn't be playing again this year, no. despite being a different club, which we'll go into. But it probably you really would have found yourself in a hole. So, and I always, I always talk to people that go through this, and I've been through it as well, where you're that mentally fucked. You don't want to go to work, or you don't want to see your friends, or but you know you you should. Yeah, you, know you just have to do it. Yeah, it's finding that balance between doing what you know you need to, but having that time to not do it. Whereas if you actually we think about it, yes, you were traveling for an hour and a half, but if you quit cricket, you probably have four or five hours at home thinking. Mm. So it's like this, I've got to do it and it's going to help me long term. Yeah. I think the most important thing to notice out of this is you, you said you kept winning. St. Andrews won a T20 flag yep. and the main flag. Yep. And you were successfully very successful individually. You took out the RDCA um, Club Champion Award. Is that what it's called? What's no, it called? The Newey Medalist Award. Newey Medalist, yep. yep. And the batting average. Yep. Like, do you look back now and kind of laugh at like... No, I was just like... I didn't, the funny thing is I didn't... I didn't do it for that. I just did it because I knew I had to play. And we're winning. I was like, cool, I'll just turn up every week and just do what I, I'll do what I need to do. But I think it was sort of knowing that I didn't want to be there made me probably play better. Yeah. Because I had, I wasn't even thinking about cricket. Mm. I was just out there and just playing. 
I felt like I was just playing in the backyard, like just not caring. Yeah. So I, I didn't care at all. Yeah. If I went out, I went out. Going out, yeah. Yeah, if I went out, I'm like, well, what? Are, cool. It's probably, um, it's probably a good, really good lesson for going forward is to, to lose that fear. Yeah, just not well, care, but not be fearful of making a mistake. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because you see guys in international level go from caring a lot to just looking really relaxed. Mm. It's just the less of lack of fear. Like if we, if we trust over, trust over fear works every time. Yep. Because when you're naturally fearful, you, you tense up, you stress. When you stress, your mind starts to cram up. So you're always... not good because you, you... Yeah, you're not functioning. We're both, we're both pulling weird arm movements and yeah. stuff you can't see. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's probably a very valuable lesson for yourself as well, just to trust that you're just going to have fun, yeah. for, for obviously, for the new club. So... Um, Lost my complete train of thought, but you've you have moved clubs. Yep. How has that transition been for you? Being closer and losing that time to think, and what's changed also in that last year for you to be in a you know a pretty mentally healthy place because you know you are recording this podcast when last year you couldn't. So with changing clubs, it's helped dramatically. I I travel ten minutes down the road, and I'm at training. I longest I've travelled this far this year is twenty minutes. I'm at the next game, so just that alone has helped me a lot. And sometimes I've got someone else in the car. Like every home game, Haley comes down every home game. Yeah, because she's not working, so that's good for me too. Because she's all she's there. Yeah, so I've got that support already. So I've got someone to talk to about doesn't have to be cricket doesn't have to be anything mm. I've got someone to talk to so and obviously the whole last year I didn't want to do this because I wasn't in the right mind frame and this year I'm I'm I think I'm in that spot where I can actually express it and actually tell it right yeah and tell it where I want to tell it yeah like last year I I probably would have got 10 minutes through it and said no nah, I can't do this. Yeah. Or I would have got to the point of going, when we're about to start and going, you know what? No, I can't do it. Hasn't happened yet, but I'm expecting it to happen one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably will, will happen. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. It's it's amazing. Because um, it is hard, and we, we spoke about this um, before dinner, but this is hard to do for not just you, but for anyone. But what's it like now? Having been chatting for, you know, nearly 50 minutes about your story, what's it like for you? I've just taken it as it's like a normal conversation. Well, it's how I wanted to take it as. Yeah. I didn't want to take it as you're asking me all these questions. I just thought it's just like two good friends just chatting about something that's traumatic that's happened. Yeah. And I've sort of just put it out like it, it wasn't me that happened to. Yeah. So I've tried to say it as, like it's happened to someone else that I don't know. Yeah. Which has probably made it easier on me. Yeah. So I haven't actually, it is, it's from my point of view, but it's felt like I've said it from someone else's point yeah. of view. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just easing the expectations on yourself and taking the pressure out so you're not heightened. I'm not winding myself up. To yeah. Which is a, an important skill as well because you don't want to sit in your own misery. No. Like, because that's where you start to, you know, couch slob, comfort slob again. Um, so it's it's really important to differentiate. And we spoke about it before, about having those conversations with Hayley, yep. that, those open conversations where you do go into it, but sometimes you've got to disassociate yourself because it's not actually helpful no. all the time. Like, there's moments where, yeah, you've got to go into it, you've got to dig deep, you've got to do the, the work. But if you're doing it all the time... It doesn't do you're, anything. Well, you're basically ruminating in, in your own misery, really. So um, we'll, we will talk finally on uh, just on the charity match. That's February 21st in Moorbark. Um, I'll share the link for anyone that wants to know about that. But what's it? what was it like for you, I guess? Because I reached out to you knowing that you would say yes. Yeah. I, I knew you'd had your struggles. Yeah. Um, 
and but really didn't know you from bar soap outside yeah. that you had struggles and um knew of jacko more than you because i had played him a couple of times you know when he's filled in the twos or whatever yeah um so i knew that people at the club would be interested what was it like when i reached out to to play in the game it at the start i was i was like oh a bit hesitant yeah but i'm like you know what it's for a good cause i've had my struggles with it and i wanted to be one that played for it as well like i'm dealing with it as well so it was a great cause for myself to go i'm going through it the best thing that i could do is play for charity yeah against for mental health yeah so i loved it and i said this to the playing group before the game um after i asked all the players to play last year I knew a lot of them already, and I purposely asked some people who had mental health battles. Yep. But 70% of the players that played in that day had had mental health mm. battles at some stage in their life. Or, and those that didn't, knew someone who'd taken yeah, their own life. Yep. So, and, it, you know, we had 14 club captains and seven coaches from the RDCA and it blew me away because here's these guys at the top of the tree in, in local sport um, some of them who played premier or played premier cricket a couple of played state that are actually putting their hands up to say to these guys in threes and fours like we, we see you and we're here for you kind yeah. of thing like we stand with you sort of thing. yeah and it was really powerful and I was overwhelmed by everyone saying yes but this year um, again, everyone wanted to play. Um, so, yeah, I. What, what does it mean to you now that you, you've actually released this, going to the second year of playing it, and, and being in a new club as well? You know, it's it'll be different. Obviously, playing for a different club and playing in a charity game again. Obviously, seeing some other guys that I played against, like even like last year. And I haven't played a game this year, but like it's, it'd be different, mm. but it'd be good. It's another it's not good contest. And I think I'll be better equipped this year. Yeah. Because I've done it last year, and I'm going it again against really good cricketers. Was it um, just, just, I'm just thinking, how was it turning up to the game last year for you, knowing that you were, you were going through some struggles? Was, just, was the anxiety pretty high that day? Yep knowing you are going to be around others. and yeah. It was just, even just walking in the room, I was like, I need to find a spot where I can just sit. Yeah. And not have to worry about anything and just sit by myself. Yeah. And it wasn't really those change rooms where you could just sit <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> yeah. There's always like someone like right there or right there. Yeah. Just, you can't just sit by yourself. So it was hard for me to, then I had to go, okay, well, you know what? I'm playing in this game. For a good cause, I have to open up. Yeah. If I don't open up, then it wasn't the point of playing. So that's what I did in the change of I had to open up. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add? Is there any advice you, you've got for anyone out there struggling with mental health issues? I think the biggest thing is to, if you are struggling, try and break, try and break through. Try and go and find someone to talk to all they're going to do is just listen. Once they listen, then it's up, not up to them, but it's up to you as well and them to go find help. Yeah. You just got to break through your own circle, break through your own mental circle to go and go, I need help. Yeah. That's the biggest thing for me. That's what helped me is get out of my own misery and just try and move on with your life. Yeah. I want to say well done on opening up and yeah, it's a ple been a pleasure getting to know you and, Oh, I know people listening to this you know, are probably going to echo the thoughts of, you know, well done on the resilience, the determination you showed, not just the physical stuff, but once the, the and, uh, and I don't, not taking away the physical stuff, and I know you won't think that I am, but I think the physical stuff for, the, for males can tend to be a lot easier. Mm. It's the mental stuff where we start yeah. to freeze. Yeah, because everyone's, every male stubborn. Yeah. Growing up not to talk yep. and all that. So, because um, you don't want to be weak. Yeah. So, if you talk up, you're weak. 
but you're not. You're not. You're not. And we know that now. And, um, you know, oh, perfect example. I was playing in 2020 against Lourdes the other week, feeling on the boundary, and uh, a random bloke in a Lourdes jumper uh, top uh, walked around. And he said, you that bloke that runs a podcast? And I said, yeah. He goes, mate, keep it up. Older guy. And I was just like... You, you don't expect it no. from that generation. And I mean, I'm not saying he's 100, but he was, old, he was probably maybe 50s or something. Um, he was probably listening, so I don't want to put him up yeah. in the 70s or 80s. I'll hear about it. Um, but, like, that's, that's the difference it makes by people don't think it's weak no. anymore. And even those that may say it don't actually mean it. They just don't understand or don't... Mm know what to do like they genuinely it's their own insecurities coming out so um yeah i loved having you on i've loved the roast dinner um and i i look forward to playing oh no being there as you uh play with beamsy um in february beautiful thanks mate thanks for listening to power strength and vulnerability the mental health podcast If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com.au.